We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I am your host, Nick Day. It's at the Lame Shows, where you can find me. My guest today, first and foremost, Scott Scott Rennan. Rennan, almost. You had it. Rennan. We, we were right there. Fuck, man. You just told me like <laughs> 15 seconds ago. Scott from the Bronx Pinstripes. Welcome to the show, man. I linked up with you a couple times through uh, hitting each other up in Slack. We're both a part of Blue Wire. You've been super cool, super grateful to have you on. What's going on, bro? Chilling, man. You know, just kind of another day uh, in this isolation thing we're, we're all trying to figure out. And uh, yeah, just uh, happy to talk with another person, really. <laughs> Yo, tell me about it, dude. All I've been doing is streaming and playing Xbox for a ridiculous amount of time. And I'm waking up in the PM hours. Like, it's just out of control. I'm waking up at 1, 2 in the afternoon and... I'm not even sure what day it is, to oh, tell you the damn truth. I saw a meme, and I thought it was super accurate. It's like, nowadays, your schedule is just yesterday, today, tomorrow. No one knows yeah. if it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All that doesn't matter. 
No, it really doesn't. It's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I, I'm living by my calendar, like the notifications. Not so much like the actual days, but just the notifications telling me I got to do something. <laughs> so for those of you that don't don't know Scott or don't know where he's from, Bronx Pinstripes, a super successful Yankees podcast, is it? Uh, so the Bronx Pinstripe Show is a Yankees podcast. We have three we have three podcasts uh, within our community. Uh, uh, Bronx Pinstripe Show, George's Box, and then uh, the boys of 161st Street. So there's three of us. That The last one is new. Uh, George's Box was on last year and then this year, and then I think we're on our fifth year, something like that. A so lot of episodes. What uh, what got you into going into podcasting? Like, what were you doing beforehand? So... I started the I started Bronx Pinstripes like ten years ago, mm. and it was it was uh, it was me just trying to you know fill a void, a creative void, like a hobby type thing, and uh, it was a website. We had editorial, um, and so we that, that's been kind of growing. We have a you know a, right now probably like fifteen to twenty writers on the show on the uh, on the site, and then from there it turned into uh, a podcast. Before I actually started Bronx Pinstripes. I had a show called Behind Sports, and I interviewed people that worked essentially behind sports, mm. hence the name. So it was more like uh, agents or uh, people who worked in marketing or whatever it was, like people who worked for the teams. Um, or if it was an athlete, it would be like what they did beyond the sport. Like uh, if they had a foundation, we would talk about that. You know, I, I try to give them a platform that wasn't what, what a normal reporter would do. Um, and then so I kind of learned the ins and outs of podcasting that way, basically through, uh, you know, testing and trying and failing and trying and just keep going, you know? And then, uh, Bronx pinstripes, uh, my co-host now, Andrew was the first guy I brought on to the website and just was like, Hey, let's do it. I'm like, I'll do it, man. Like you, you can lead, you can be the a mic. I'll be the B mic. I don't have time to be the a mic right now. And he, he ran with it and it's been five years now. Well, that's pretty ironic that, uh, the August is going to be five years that veterans minimum has been around, uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit. The show has, kind of been going through a transition period now for a couple of months there used to be five of us in total and then just over time it became more of a chore and an obligation to people and you know my my buddy joe he's a a big youtube comedian guy and he's taking his podcast to a whole nother level my buddy tim he's a teacher in new york city and he's like hey man look i just got married uh he has his own fantasy podcast that he does and for a long, for a while, he really loved just talking about fantasy sports, right? Whether it's fantasy football, baseball, and then my buddy boss was kind of checked out for a little bit, you know. And I feel comfortable talking about it because we've addressed it many times throughout the years. Sure. And then uh, my friend Impy, who was uh, my, co- I've probably done the most podcast with him. He was just like, bro, I just got a promotion, and I don't know what my schedule is like. There's some days where. You know, like your your real life shit happened. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, people have to go through changes. Right, right. And there were some days where he'd get out of work at four o'clock. Other days he'd be there till ten thirty. So it's like he couldn't commit to the next step. And every year, what I like to do, Scott, uh, Scott is, excuse me, uh, I like to just add a new dimension, a new wrinkle. You know, when we first started out, man, we have a lot of similarities between the two of us and how we've sort of built what we've been building. Uh, we started off as a blog also, and you guys can't see it that are listening, but Scott can see me doing the, the air quotes because, dude, I'm not a writer. I struggle yeah. with uh, 280 characters on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> a lot of times my friends will be like, well, you use there the wrong way. And I'm like, dude, it's not the SATs. Like, it's Twitter. Yeah, it don't matter. Like, let me be. You get my it's point. The Wild right? West. So we started this blog called You Got Put On, and it was, you know, 
sort of we were trying to 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 birth a barstool ESPN ringer all in one. You know, like you could get the 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 flagrant non PC stuff, but then you could also come and get some informative stuff if you want. If you're a PFF guy or if you're a baseball analytics nerd kind of thing, you know. So, but then before you know, it, we saw the transition happening from writing to podcasting. So that's how we started the whole podcast and. Man, if you were to tell me now that I'd be running a show like VM Now solo and how I've been doing it from there, I was doing a wrestling show. I was doing a sports betting show. Dude, the first podcast I ever did, awful. Awful listening back. Oh, now. yeah, me too. Uh, they're, they're, when you listen back, it's cringeworthy, man. It took me a while just to get used to my own voice, mm-hmm. like listening back, because I edited the first 350 shows of uh, and then all behind sports. So. Yeah, it took a, it took a while to get used to that. You know, I'm like, damn, I, I hate the way I sound. Now I just it doesn't matter. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, and, and me, I was also like, I was being pulled in so many dis- different directions. I just turned 29 in in March, just a couple weeks ago, and um, you know, I was gonna be a cop. I was going to school, didn't really know what direction I was gonna uh, go into, and then you know, I had to be a little, I had to pull back a little bit on what I was saying and how I was saying it, and how was I promoting certain things i also had braces at 26 which made things really really awkward being in front of a camera but it was something i wanted to do because i saw the long-term effects and the long-term uh picture like how you said getting comfortable in front of a mic you know so i wanted to fix my teeth because i had the canines never came down so i had to get implants like i still had baby teeth and that shit would look super awkward you could tell that my teeth your baby teeth were up in the gums still yeah yeah they just never came down and it happens to like one of every eight people so i guess i got the the shit end of the stick there on that end but we all got something man yeah (laughs) but it was it was something that i had to do because it was like like you said getting comfortable in front of a mic or in front of a camera how long when did you know that you became that comfortable in front of a mic or in front of a camera um, I think, it, I think it's, I don't really, I can't tell you a time frame, but it's really at the point where you just stop caring about it. I think, mm. I think it's like at that point where you just like, you know, you're just going to talk and, and, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I don't know how you get to that point or like what the, the reps are, but I can tell you that it's reps. It's just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And now talking into a microphone just is like secondhand. So it's, um, you know, I don't know how many episodes it was, but I can tell you when I look back, because I did behind sports, I did, I recorded video on a lot of them. Man, I was awkward. Like, just, like, just trying to, like, trying to not be awkward, awkward. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, trying to force the non-awkwardness creates awkwardness, I think, or at least by looking at it back. You know, who knows if other people notice it? Because, of course, you're extremely self-critical, right? Like, the, your biggest critic will always be yourself. Absolutely. And, um... So, yeah, I don't know if I could place exactly. I can say that when I got to Bronx Pinstripes, by that time we did sort of doing the show with Andrew and me, it was a lot more comfortable because we had a good rapport. Like, we had easy conversations. So I think that certainly helped. Were you guys friends beforehand? No, actually, we. Uh, I met him on Twitter. Mm. I, I, put a, uh, I put a cat call out kind of for when I first started Bronx Pinstripes, or it was called NYY Universe at the time until I got a cease and desist letter from the Yankees and they changed <laughs> it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he was the first writer that came on and, um, so I didn't know, I knew him through, through Twitter, but we, you know, we talked, uh, obviously about the Yankees and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, going on now 10 years, I was just at his wedding this past year. So it's been, uh, it's been a while. Dude, the, the more and more that you're talking, the more and more it's like, I'm, I'm talking to a carbon copy of myself just cause like yeah. the, all the guys that I was doing the show with. And one thing that I like to do is I like to always bring my friends on. So it's yeah. like, I bring a, a cause 
it's just a chemistry that you can't teach, you know? Sure. And I, and I listened to some of your shows, and I would have thought you guys knew each other forever. Yeah. You know? But it's some just... Some people say they can't, they can't tell us apart. <laughs> but... Over, over time, true. though, if you do that many shows with someone, it's it, it just becomes a natural chemistry that you can't teach, you know? And right. even even my, co- uh, my co-host now, my buddy Alan, he's written for SB Nation. He's done stuff with Bleacher Report. But I also know him for a decade plus. So it was when we made the transition and I needed another set of ears to bounce ideas off of and to talk back into a mic, I was like, oh, Alan. Alan's been looking and dying to do a podcast anyway. So it was just a natural that – was, that was the guy to pick. You know what I'm saying? When you find someone that, that wants to do it and has that commitment level and that, that is – you know, not really. You don't have to sell them on it, or, right. or make uh, sell them on the commitment, or whatever it is. Like that's when it becomes much easier. It, when there's another party that wants to do it, or uh, uh, someone who's like into it as you are, then man, th- it's it's easier to build that chemistry, especially if you know you know know that person too. So for sure, I totally agree. Like Andrew was bought in from day one. It was his idea. He wanted to start it. So probably on his end, it was a matter of if I was bought in. Mm-hmm. And you know that wasn't an issue for me. I know that. Uh, but when you when you reciprocate that back and forth, like then now you got things clicking. So yeah, you can't teach it. It's just got to happen though too. How long did it take you guys to start building a, like you guys are verified on social media. You got the blue check. My friends and I always joke like the blue check is power nowadays. Like <laughs> you, you look at someone's social media handle, you know, Twitter right now I have it in front of me, 113,000 followers. My friends are going to, some of my friends are going to mark out to use the wrestling term because a lot of them follow you guys. So Okay. When they find out that I had you on, they're probably going to be marking out. But, you know, over 70,000 people on Facebook, Twitter, 113,000, Instagram, 61,000, you know, close to over how many episodes? Close to 400 episodes now. I see your latest yeah, one. No, is, we're over four. We just did a four. We had 420 last one. 420. Oh, yeah. I'm on the website. There you go. Okay. I wasn't scrolling down. Yeah, we just enough. did 420. They, uh, uh, iTunes will cut you because they, they start archiving you at X. I don't even know what the number is, but uh, yeah, 420 episodes. So it's been, it's been a minute. So how'd you, cause I'm always fascinated by people who aren't backed because I'm, I'm in the same boat, you know, like we're not backed by uh, a major network. Blue wire is picking up more and more momentum as we're going, but it's still, it's still the, the new kid on the block. You know what I'm saying? So how long did it take you guys to build a following and to get verified? And what were the steps that we were going into? So I think because we had the editorial side of it first, it was it was easier because we had, um, you know, content. We had writers that were putting out good articles about the Yankees. So we, we were we were covering the Yankees. We had an audience with the people from the website. You know, we've had uh, at that point we had. I don't even know. I, I started out with Twitter in the beginning, and, and it was really just me acting as Bronx Pinstripes. I was on that account. I never even built up my own Twitter account until like, you know, three, four years ago. And uh, I was just talking Yankees, man. I was just like, basically, uh, during the games, I would I would live tweet it, you know, back when that was something, and I just gained a following. And one strategy I had is um, I, I had a, like a system that would follow people who followed the Yankees. Mm. Obviously, just so that's why you see some of that follow count up. Um, but it was a strategy just because I know if I'm following them and they follow and they see who's following the, uh, you know, that it's a Yankees type uh, website or, or Twitter account, then there's a chance that they might follow back. And it worked for a while. You know, it was going off like really, really well. So we built a Twitter account first, at, you know, congruently, like alongside with that, that was the editorial. And um, so I think that was the jump off point for the for the podcast. I mean, we were we started the podcast also when there were 
maybe three or four Yankees podcasts out there. There's probably like 20 now. And so we were, it was us and, uh, What's his name? Um, he's a national writer for MLB right now, and I cannot think of his name. But he was working for the Daily News, and he had a podcast, uh, and it was us. That was it. it. We were always one and two. And um, and then he stopped at one point, and it was just a different style. You know, like we were fans talking about the Yankees as two guys in a bar. Like that's how we set off the show. We're like, we're going to talk about the Yankees like we were in a bar drinking a beer, two friends talking about the Yankees. And that's, that was our show. We would, you know, we had a rundown of, of things we would prepare. We would make sure that, you know, we did as much for it, but we would have very casual conversations. And I think people just latched on to that. Like they've realized that we were just two dudes pretty much like them, usually drinking a beer, mm. talking Yankees baseball on the podcast. And that was kind of the way that we started it. And if you go, if you look at some of the reviews, you can kind of tell like people still pick up on that. Like that's, we haven't really changed that much. You know, that's, it's pretty much the same show. Uh, essentially the, the dynamic between the two of us so coming into the podcast game five years ago were you getting different uh feedback from friends and family or even just people that you would meet out when you would tell them that you had a podcast back then as opposed to when they find out you have a podcast now because i know that that conversation has changed because like you said now at the time that you entered podcasting three four yankee podcasts now there's countless like two of my buddies just started they're they're twins nick and chris i had them on because i've been doing this series called player profile where we kind of pick a player and we dissect their career on and off the field and we talk about Derek jeter so they just started a podcast too and it's like according to apple there's over nine hundred and fifty thousand podcasts on apple so yeah. it's like Five years ago when we started Veterans Minimum and we were all doing podcasts, when I would tell people out at a bar, like, hey, man, I got this podcast. They're like, oh, that's dope. That's good shit. That's cool. Now when they find out, it's like, oh, of course you have a podcast because everybody has, has a podcast. Yeah, but oh, then you tell them, you know, you, you, you inform them like, hey, man, I've been doing this for a while. You know, I've had these guests on. And then you could see the direction in the conversation change from their end. They're like, oh, okay, this isn't just something that just started up. So... How was that for you? Did you notice any differences between then and now when you tell people about podcasts? Um, I mean, yeah, to a point. I think even though, like, kind of then, though, too, there was this, there was also the stigma, like, oh, podcasting, like, you're in the mom's basement type thing. Like, there's always, like, now, and now you see all the, the um, you know, radio shows and everybody has a podcast. Everybody who's anybody in sports has a podcast, too. So I actually think it's been, it's, it's become a little bit more glorified, too, because it's more respected. Uh, as a as a medium whereas before it was like eh, you know like what is this dungeons and dragons and like you know a bunch of nerds in a basement doing that you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it, that's what it was that's kind of how it started like people talking about very niche hobbies um and now it's come more mainstream so you know I, i've always talked about it i think you know i've just had confidence and that i like doing it and it's fun and it's always been a hobby for me and that was always number one priority like it was always a hobby it was always something that we wanted to do for fun like first and foremost and i think that's a big part of how you grow something if you don't care about uh the other sides of things and you're just doing it for pure passion pure joy because you want to do it like that's when things good things can happen you know what i mean like because now you're coming from a very true place a very good place of like i just want to talk about the yankees with my buddy and we're going to record it and we're going to see who listens and and that was kind of our mindset and i also think that your audience eventually could pick up when you're disengaged and when you're engaged Especially if they listen to you for a long time, you could just tell because that was that was something that uh, towards the tail end, you could just tell like who was on board and who wasn't. And you know, my my whole thing is I can't 
I can't beg somebody to be down with anything. That's not not, not even pot. I'm just talking about in general. Like I have a very strict uh, there's the door policy, Scott. Like if you don't want to do something, I'm not gonna hold you up against your will to do it. Yeah, and and guess what? I'm not gonna get offended either. Like right, you do yeah, you. Exactly. Like it is what it is. It's just you know there's got to be a commitment level. If one person's committed and the other person's not, one that's all that's gonna do is create animosity, and then. And then two, it's a bad product. No, so yeah, it's better that somebody who's not into something to just to say, "Hey, man, I'm not into it." It is, you know, you can't force it. When did how quickly did you guys start getting guests on your show? And who was uh, the one that? When did you guys? I don't want to call it a viral moment, but when did you realize that? Oh shit, this is something that could become something bigger. So we we eventually. Um, and not to say that it was more, it was more on the editorial side, honestly, that, that like kind of that moment came where we, where we hit like a tipping point. So we got to a good point. We had 15 to 20 writers on it and the yes network actually reached out to us. And, um, I, I, I thought for sure, like when I first saw the the message, I'm like, I'm about to get sued again. Like what's happening? Like, coming. Like, Take what, two. <laughs> what, like, what did I do? Like, what did we do now? Type of thing. Because there's, there were, you know, some warning shots before that from other people too. And that was the time when you couldn't even have the word Yankees. You couldn't even have it in your description for the podcast. You couldn't have anything to do with the Yankees in your podcast or you would get it taken down from iTunes. Um, now, obviously, things have changed very much so. But uh, So we had, we had we ended up striking a deal with the Yes Network for the editorial for a little while. And we had, so we still have a, a good partnership or a good uh, um, rapport with them. And we had a partnership for a while where they would actually use our uh, our writing and, and, and uh, share it on social media and that was a big deal. It definitely helped our, our website out quite a bit, which in turn gave us more eyeballs, you know, on the site. And then I, I think probably translated some, into some uh, listeners for the podcast too. So it was just visibility. I think that's one of those things. Like if you can get more visibility from some way, whether it's a viral moment or you create a partnership, however it is, um, then, then it creates, you know, opportunities at that point. So, and if you're ready for those opportunities and people like you, then, you know, you'll keep them. Otherwise they will be, uh, fl- you know, it'll be in the wind and they'll be temporary. What were some of the guests early on that helped you propel yourself? Um, I guess, so some of the, I mean, we've had a bunch of players on uh, from like starting in the minor leagues. We would get on minor league guys just because it was easier. easier to get them. Yeah. yeah and, and you could build that rapport as they're coming up. So we had a, um, we had a bunch of those guys on uh, and then, you know, beat writers. We had a bunch of beat writers, like whomever, you know, would cover the team. We would bring on people from other teams and things like that too. But honestly, like sometimes when you look at some of the the episodes of with people on them, they don't even do as well as just the regular episodes that that Andrew and me are just talking. Like it's crazy. You'd think that they would do much better, um, but for whatever reason, like people are so numb to interviews. I think at this point that you know they're looking for the, the the custom thing, and that's what we say. Like I think they come for the personality and the banter, and like people appreciate that. Um, you you know you have a good guest on, that's a good thing for sure. Uh, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's a way to totally grow your show as much. What I've noticed with getting guests is it makes getting bigger guests easier. That's true. If that that makes sense. So like if you have for us, our big breakthrough man was one of our buddies, Jared Gordon. He fights now in the UFC, but at the time this kid's story is out of control, Scott, like he's overdosed like three, four times. He's, he was a junkie. He was going to fights professionally high as a kite. And like just knocking dudes out and he built this reputation and then he got clean and he was fighting for this big promotion, CFFC. They're actually on UFC fight. Are you a UFC fan at all? 
Not really, man. I'm not. So, I, so like, I, I'm not. I don't know really that much about it. So, so think of the UFC as like MLB, right? And then like AAA would be the CFFC. You know, okay. so it's like you would get a lot of talent. A lot of big name fighters now in the UFC have been from that promotion, and their main headquarters is in Atlantic City. That's where like their what what the UFC has in Las Vegas, where like their big fight weekends happen in Vegas. That's what uh, Atlantic City was the CFFC. So gotcha. we would we would go out to a bunch of his fights, and MMA is such a tight knit community where a lot of the fighters, whether they're champions at the UFC and just like a regular ass dude that does MMA, they train together because you know there's not many gyms in New York City that are well known for getting UFC fighters. Yeah. So he came onto our show, and this was before he even had the following that he has now. But people just like the fact that we knew him. We got lucky there. I can't front. Like, he's a kid that grew up in our neighborhood. And then when he got to the UFC, people started looking him up. And then they, like, it was something where we recorded the episode eight months prior. And then we just kept seeing, like, why is this shit doing so well? And then it's like, Jared wins his first fight via TKO. And then more and more buzz is coming on. And he would give us some shout outs on Twitter and Instagram. So that was easy. So what we started doing was, well, we have a connection with the UFC. We could get a lot of fighters on. So that's been the route that we've taken to get the big names on. But we've also had Cal Ripken Jr. on in the past. Uh, that was probably like our biggest, biggest get. But yeah, again, that's a, that's a huge guest. But but again, dude, our our most successful episodes are the ones that I'm kind of just shooting the shit with, with my buddies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's crazy because you, you know, I think logic goes the other way. You think that because someone has such a high profile that more people want to see that. But uh, people are drawn to podcasts because of the the people behind the behind the show. Like they want to hear what you're going to ask that guy, maybe, but they also really want to hear what, like the funny things that you and your boys are saying, like because that's real, that's very real, and that that reminds them of either their friends or their friends from from back in the day or whatever it reminds them of. It creates that little tweak of nostalgia or just like uh, you know friendship and just like familiarity where you can't replicate that. Um, so I, I, there's something behind it for sure. But when you have a good a good you know, flow going on your show. It's, 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 uh, it's, you, you can't put a price on that. It's really good. Yeah, man. That's the one thing that I think is, um, one of the biggest lessons that I got early on. I went to like a, um, I wouldn't call it a meet and greet, but it was, it was a live podcast. And, uh, I went up to the dude after, and, uh, it was a wrestling podcast. And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, what did, what advice would you give me? He's like, yo, you gotta be different. You gotta be unique. Cause there's, hundreds of thousands of podcasts and like what do you bring to the table that's unique so that's been always something that's resonated with me in the past um but you can't force that unique thing either you gotta you gotta make sure that whatever that thing is that unique thing that you're you're, you're kind of leaning on is real right because right if you try to force something that's unique then you will be people will notice that and it won't work so that's the tricky part is like finding that and and I'll, honestly a lot of the times the unique thing is just being yourself of course like, yeah that's you there's your unique piece and the way that like you have a relationship with certain people or the way that you can talk with somebody um like you're a very chill guy like i have a, i'm very comfortable talking to you i feel like that like the way that joe rogan has talked to his guys like he's got that just type of like don't matter who gets in front of me i'm just going to talk to them like a, a regular guy a regular girl whatever and i think that's one of those qualities that's uh you know, you can't teach that. Yeah. It's got to be a natural thing, but it's also very obvious. Well, I'm glad that you bring that up, man, because that's something that I've always, like during this time with the lockdown and the quarantine, and you got to be indoors and whatnot. And 
there's been some people that have reached out to me and they're like, man, how are you putting out? Now I'm putting out three episodes a week just because, yeah. dude, if us two were to go to a bar, we're not going to run out of things to talk about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we no, could, we we'd could run talk... out of beer before things to talk about. Exactly. Probably. Like they'd kick us out before anything. So I can't fill 30, 40, 60 minutes with you. So I, I always think that's why one of my favorite things to do is it's a series that we call podcast and chill, right? Where kind of just press record, dude. And, you know, I have a idea of what I want to talk about. Yeah. But for the most part, it bounces all over because of how I like to portray the interviews and comment. I call it a sports and conversation show because that's okay. how I gear my show where you're going to get something out of it. It might be inspiring. It might be motivating. It might be something that you could use to, you know, win your bets. I got some bets over here. I want to run by with you being okay. a baseball aficionado that you are, but it's like, you're going to get something important out of it. You know? So I just think that dude, if you could just press record and talk, you're chilling. No, I agree. I mean, honestly, I think that's the way podcasters are going anyway. I think at some point everybody's going to have a feed of some sort and either we're going to be talking into the air or talking to an Alexa or talking to, uh, you know, whatever, whatever exists at that point with technology. Um, and it's going to be like a Twitter feed. It's just going to be an audio, you know, uh, you know, thought, thought, thought process. Like just, just, a uh, who, who knows? So it could be, it could be streamlined. It could be manic. It could be whatever it is, but it's just going to be a stream of consciousness that's recorded into the air and then blasted out to people. That's my, that's my like George Jetson view of the future. <laughs> Who would you say has left you starstruck, if anybody that you've met during your tenure? Because let's let, let's let's be honest. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm a Met fan. I always joke around that my my uncle loved the guy, but I come from a family of all Yankee fans, bro. Okay. Except my uncle, he's a MTA police officer, great guy, but he's a Met fan. So when I was younger. He would always bring me to games to, to Shea Stadium. And I always say... So he I got like, you. you. You can blame him. Oh, I do blame him. I do blame <laughs> him all the time. On his birthday, every year, uh, I put out a picture. I'm like, yeah, Uncle Mike, you're the man. I love you. But you ruined my entire childhood by making me a Met fan because it would have been so much easier being a Yankee fan, man. You guys win like 100 games a year. And it's like AL, ALCS or bust. I mean, it's World Series or bust, I should say. But you guys always seem to get to the ALCS. It's like... How's your life been as a Yankee fan? L let's get that out the way first. How's your life been as a Yankee fan? I mean, you want me to sit here and tell you it's been bad because it hasn't been. <laughs> uh, so, bro, like, I, at least you have someone to blame. I'm a Jets fan, and I don't know. I don't. I can't place who that person is that I'm blaming. I don't know if it was just because I was, you know, wanted to buck against the giant trend at that at some point in my life, or there was somebody that was like, "Yo, the Jets." I'm like, I'm like, yeah, the Jets. I'm like. It was the worst sports decision of my life. There's hands down easily the worst sport because they infuriate me like like to a to a point where I get like legitimately angry when I think about them sometimes. Um, but Yankee fan, like it's been great. It's been great. We started the show though. I, I, I think one of the reasons why there weren't as many shows because when we started the show five years ago, the team wasn't good at that point. Like they were. It was at that really weird time when we had all these like weird veteran players on the team, like. Uh, like Kevin Euclid and like uh, Travis Hafner and like there was a bunch of Vernon Wells, like a very weird generic Yankees that you'd never remember they were Yankees was that time frame. And it was the end of Jeter. It was, you know, a lot of those things going on. Um, so it was a weird time. But now they've rebooted and they've done the whole 1996 thing again. I mean, we haven't won anything by any means, but what they've 
what I mean by that is they've gone through the farm system and they've built up. And as a Yankee fan, and when I talk to other Yankee fans and I just observe Yankee fans, that's love right there. And it's probably any fan. When you have a homegrown guy, like that's your guy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's your guy. It's so much better from when they come over in free agency. For whatever reason, you just feel more of an attachment to that player. And there's a lot of those guys on the Yankees right now, and it feels um, – it's, 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 it's a fun team to watch at this point, really. They're, they have a lot of talent. So it's been good, man. The 90s were great too. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Let's go back to that initial point. What was the first athlete that kind of left you like, oh, shit, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy? Yeah, so um, so uh, I don't even know how many years. It was like three, four, four years ago. We did an event with Steiner Sports. Uh, we had like a little th- a partnership with them. And we did, uh, I know when it was, it was 2000, uh, it was 2006. It was five years ago. It was the, the anniversary of the 1996 championship, and they had a night out with uh, with these guys. It was at a, it was a, somewhere in Manhattan. I forget the the place, uh, but we went and we covered the event. So we got in there ahead of time. Like there's a line like down the block to get in, and it's it's all of them. It's it, it, except for Jeter. He's the only one that wasn't there. But it's like it's Pettit. It's it's Mo. It's Tino. It's you know Layritz, Doc Gooden, like. All these dudes are like in there, and we're there before all the people coming in and all around, like talking to them and interviewing them and just having convo- casual conversations. That was a, that was crazy. That was like a very surreal moment because when I see the players now, it's it's a different feeling because I'm older, so I don't get like I don't get starstruck by any means. Like they're it's they're younger guys that to me it's just it's not the same. Plus, I've been covering the team for so many years mm. now. That was a moment though because those were my when I'm a, when I'm a kid, like those were my guys. And now I'm in the room with them after they won all those things. And I had so many great moments watching them play. That was pretty cool. That was probably – Andy Pettit, man, was probably one of the ones I just I, – I get goosebumps like thinking about like our conversation with him. It was pretty dope. Yeah, and when you think of homegrown, the first team that I always think about is always the Yankees because I feel like, well, me growing up, you always saw those guys that were coming through the system. And they seemed to be – everyone wanted to be a Yankee. So when – they would get drafted by the Yankees. Rarely did you see them go elsewhere. Yeah, I think it will. The Yankees did a bad job drafting people for a long time, but they uh, they did. They had after that '96 era, after that Gene Michael era, um, they they did a terrible job in the draft. But for a while in the early '90s, like they drafted some studs, and they had some guys in the minors that just came up together, kind of like this new class. They all, they all rose up in a, in a you know within a, a two two three year window, and they started playing together. So a lot of them played in the minor leagues together, and it's just it's cool seeing that development. And I, I really enjoyed watching like Judge and uh, Gary Sanchez and all these guys like come up through the system because we knew that they were coming, 
And uh, so, I, you know, I, I enjoy watching the development. It's one of my favorite parts of baseball is like just seeing guys develop and like grow as baseball players. So it's fun to watch. What do you hate more, the decision to be a Jet fan or the Red Sox? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's definitely the Red Sox. <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, I, I'd say hatred is like it's not, it's not the same anymore. Ever since they won a – ever since oh, – uh, you know, the, ever since they won a World Tier, uh, Championship, 04, it, it changed because mm. because now they could talk again. Like right. the fan, and it's not the players on the field as much as it is the fans, right? It's, it's like always going to be the fans, though. Yeah, what's that? I think it's always going to be the fans. Yeah, for sure. But you're, I mean, you take that to the field. You take right. that to to the guys on the field, and you, you like transpose your anger to to them. But like when I was in college, a lot of my boys were Red Sox fans. For some reason, like all the Northeast kids like got gathered together. I went to school in Norfolk, Virginia, but we all like clumped together and ended up being uh, tight. And a lot of them were, were from the Massachusetts Boston area. And man, we had just. Just a fun rivalry, and that was the most fun. Just like me watching them miserable because of sports was like, yeah, that's like the greatest thing ever. Like me watching my boys miserable because of sports, as sadistic as it is, it's great. <laughs> oh, dude, I can't tell you how much joy I get when I, I think amongst my friend group, football is the one that we all have the same level of interest in. Mm-hmm. And I have buddies that are Cowboy fans, um, even even my Jeff fans. Uh, my friends that are Jeff fans, especially during like the Rex Ryan years, they were good years. They were great years. Yeah, they were awesome. But it's it's like the talk came of you know there's a Jet town now and whatnot, and it was just like the Jet fans really were on their high horse, that's for sure. And then you know the the Giants end up winning the the Super Bowl in 2011, but then just the joy that I get in their misery sometimes as yeah. I, I like that you're nodding your head because you totally understand what I'm saying. Ah, I, enjoy I mean, it. it's, it, there's nothing like it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's right? beautiful. Right. No, I, for a long time, like the, these guys, when they before they won a World Series, the Red Sox, it was great because we could chant. What was it, 1918? You could chant unbelievable things, and they have nothing to say. Like you can't say shit. Yeah, like you can't say anything. And and then when they finally won a World Series, it's like all the fans they lost that hatred. Like it was like. It doesn't matter what happens anymore now. We won a World Series in my lifetime. Like, that's it. You can't say anything to me anymore that's going to bother me because we already won. So it changed the dynamic of the of the rivalry on the on the fan side of things. And then they, you know, they won a couple more. Definitely changed. So now it's not the same by any means. And I, I, I don't even have the level of, of you know, discont- like, I don't dislike them as much as I used to. And that's probably also getting older. Older, yeah. Just start looking at things differently. But, um, but yeah, it's a... Uh, you know, it's a weird dynamic, but it's for sure. And, and as far as the Jets thing, like being the Jets town, come on. It's never going to happen. Like, I know that. I'm a Jets fan. I know I'm not stupid. It's always going to be a Giants town, just like it's never going to be a Mets town. Right. It's always going to be a Yankees town. It's always going to be a Giants town. It's just the way it is. Dude, this this might alter the entire conversation that we're having, but we always have this. Uh, we do like what ifs on the show a lot of times or uh, if we could relive a moment. The 4 series that they came back and and beat the the Yankees down 3-0. And, you know, they did the 30 for 30 on it. Uh, imagine if that was to happen now with social media. How, yeah, it would be wild. Would, you would probably stay off social media, right? Um, I mean, even after a season, I just got to stay off social media for a little bit. I got to take a break just because it's such a it's such an exhausting thing doing a whole season. Uh 
Yeah, probably. I wouldn't. I would certainly mute a lot of people. Like the mute <laughs> button would be getting a workout. <laughs> there's I feel there's you no doubt that. about it. The mute button would be getting a workout. Uh, yeah, and it was, it was because uh, it was it was bad when it happened. I can't imagine what it would be like. It would just get it would get annoying faster. Probably, I would shut down quicker if social media was around. Yeah, man. I try my best to, but but it's weird because everyone is watching what you're watching. So in a way, if you're in the sports world, you kind of have to be tweeting about what's going on. Yeah. You know, like I, I've noticed that we get a lot of traction when we tweet plays from Red Zone on Sundays, you know, and I what I like to do is I've kind of built a team behind the scenes, too. So I have like a social media guy, a social media manager and whatnot. I try my best to be off my phone, especially when the Giants are playing. Yeah, because tell me not, don't you feel like, you know, the Yankees better than most since you cover them and they're your favorite team. And then when you hear someone that's maybe a, a, a bystander of baseball, they're, they're kind of a super casual fan, and they say, oh, the Yankees suck, or, or Aaron Judge blows, or whatever. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. Is that frustrating for you? I kind of tune it out at this point. Like, I, you know, for a little bit, it, yeah, it was frustrating. But, I mean, I understand. People have their own sense of, of the world, and, like, they think they're, they're a pro. And, and then maybe, they are, maybe they're the smartest sports fan in their friend group. But um, it's all relative. I mean, it's it's an obnoxious amount that that I have that I do Yankee stuff. I mean, we in season we record twice a week, watching every single game, and it, it's a it's a ton. So like, I get nobody's going to be that deep, and it's a it's crazy because like, what are you doing? Like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, it's sometimes you you get you get so obsessed with with uh, a fan or with a sport, um, it's hard to see the other side sometimes. And I think that casual fans, it's a weird mindset because I just don't. I don't know how you get there. You know what I mean? I guess with, with as far as the Yankees pertain. It's because I've, I've never been there. I've always been obsessed. As someone that watches all the games, do you think there's too many when it comes to the regular season? I think if they were to change anything, if they were to – okay. I, mean, I don't think there's too many right now. Like I think it's fine. If they were to make these changes, some of these changes are annoying to me. If they changed the amount of games and they scaled it back to something else, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be drastic. Let's say they did 120 games, whatever it is, just change the the time frames a little bit. I wouldn't be mad that mad about it. It, it just wouldn't bother me that much. If they met, what bothers me is when they tweak the game itself. When they start tweaking like the the inside, you know, the actual game, the gameplay. And when they start messing with that, like now you're messing with something that is just pure and beautiful, and uh, it's a it's a dance. You know what I mean? It's like you get you get 18 guys out on that field, and they are working their asses off together, and everything's got to go a certain way for things to happen. And the people that say it's boring and all that, they don't appreciate the game, and that's fine. That's fine. But when you talk about that it's too long, you go and you time a football game, an NFL game, go time uh, an NBA game. And then time a baseball game and tell me which one's longer. Because guess what? It ain't the baseball game most of the time. The football game with all the stops and all that stuff and then like the actual time of, of action is less on a football game, an NFL football game, than it is baseball. Sometimes. Granted, baseball games can go for a very long time. There's no end like a football game is. But um, it's, I, I don't know. It's like a t- to me, it's a tired complaint. It's just people that don't get it. And if you don't get it, like that's fine. Just move on. That's a, that's the mistake I think. As again, I'm a Mets fan. When the Mets are good and when their Vegas win totals are high, I always lean to Vegas. They kind of eliminate all bias towards your team. You 
have the luck where the Yankees every fucking year have 98, 99 projected wins. The Mets are like in the low 80s. So that kind of tells you like, oh, you know what? Vegas and the sports books, they think that the Yankees are going to do well this year. So when I see that the Mets are projected to be maybe a wild card team or have a chance at the division, I'm more invested in them. Baseball, a lot of times what I feel like, and again, you're the expert. I'm deferring to you here. Do you think that they try to garner too much to the casual fan and to bring new fans in? And then in return, it's souring the guy like you who's the diehard fan. I just think they're doing it the wrong way. That's what I think. I think they're doing things the wrong way. I think they need to – what they can do – and you cut, you saw a taste of this in spring training this year. They mic some of those players up. I don't know if you saw any of those yeah, clips. Yeah, yeah. That was dope. Like that shit was electric. That yeah. was fun. You got to know the players. They did a good job promoting the players in that sense because now you're seeing some personality behind it. Right. You have some of these guys now – some of the younger guys are reaching out and doing things on social media and you're getting to know them. You're getting to personally know them. Whereas back in the day, like, you know – when there was no social media, when there was no internet and all that, and you're looking at how you get your news and how you get your sports, well, back in like the 50s, 60s, when they used to do those like home run derbies, like you get to know the players in there in their way, and there wasn't a ton of competition. Like it was just, it was just that. Now there's so much stuff and so much noise that you gotta really, really make it a point to to push your your personalities, your players out front, so that the younger generation will get to know them and get invested. Because if you don't do that and you're just relying on the game itself, it's not going to work. Um, I think that's why the NBA has done so well. There's mm-hmm. two things. Like the NBA, you got NBA, uh, uh, you got 2K, mm-hmm. which I think is a big deal. Right. Because what it does is it gives people knowledge of the players behind the scenes. Like I remember I, I got into the into hockey by playing NHL, the games. Like I knew every player in the league from playing NHL. Like that was how I found out the players and knew all the players in the beginning. And then I became a raging lunatic Devils fan for a while. So it's it's that and MLB they're going cross platform next year for the show huge deal like I think that's going to make a big difference in the way that things are going to be seen but tweaking like you know pitch clock and like shit like that like it doesn't do anything yeah you brought up a hell of a point about the video game because that's the big appeal to FIFA and to soccer yeah like if you look at um I think it's the Harris report or Harris report it, it, it measured like um in 2019, what sports like the most consumed sports? And it was the NFL, college basketball. It was uh, the NBA. And then it was soccer. But like soccer, you know, there's the English Premier League. There's so many different things. And also, yeah, the Women's World Cup that kind of inflated the numbers as well. But again, like all my boys, they tune in, bro, for like the Euro Cup and World Cup. Right. And but they know all the players because of FIFA. Like we all play FIFA. We all get on Xbox. I have Xbox, so I've never played to. Um, I've never played the, the show because yeah, it's just on the show. It's 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 just on PlayStation. So yeah, it might sound funny to some people listening to that, but I think the video game makes a world of difference. It absolutely does. I mean, I, I I've been around for a minute too. You know, like I, I used to play Sega Genesis. Like I used to play the the um, the the, um, the hockey's on those. And that's how I got it. Like, I get that. It totally makes sense because you become invested. And I mean, when I was there, I was a big Devils fan, but I would always play with I would always play with the St. Louis Blues, and my brother would always play with the Detroit Red Wings every time. Like we would play. I can still tell you every single player on the Red Wings, and I can tell you every single player on the Blues at that time because that's who we would play with religiously. And then we would play with everybody else. And I already knew the Devils because I was a raging fan at that point. So. Yes, it certainly helps the knowledge. And when you have knowledge and you know who these guys are, you get personally invested. Oh, and by the way, now you're getting interviews and you're doing all these things like the NBA does with very 
player-centric type of marketing, it's a recipe for a very, very strong emotional tie to a game. One of the big one of the big moments of this spring training experiment with miking up the players was I believe it was Anthony Rizzo. It was. And he made the comment about the Astros. Yes. Okay. I need someone to bang a I need someone to bag a can. Yeah. As a Yankee fan. It was the team that would be in the way for you guys the last couple of years. What what are your what were your initial thoughts when these reports came out? And were you someone that kind of felt as if this was happening before it escalated to this level? No, I didn't think it was I didn't know what was happening. Uh I, I knew that I knew that they had I knew that they were advanced in analytics and all of that. And I knew they had these edutronic, these cameras that would slow everything down. They bought like 60, some stupid amount of cameras from, uh, from the guys who sold them. And it's, and it picks up the spin rate that you can get everything super slow. They had a number of these cameras, like they had like 60 or 70 of these cameras, which are like insanely powerful, high resolution cameras. Whereas every other team would have like one or two and they had like 60 or 70. Oh shit. Like, I didn't know all this. Yeah. It was, it's, it's documented. It's very, it's very out there. So like that was something where they were like uh, to another level advanced and they're really buying into this next, next, the analytics. So I thought uh, some of it was that like, these guys are just doing a good job. When I found out about the trash can stuff and like the fact that they actually had signs in real time, I mean, anger, like I was mad. I was mad. Like anger was probably the first thing that got to my mind because I'm like, these motherfuckers cheated, like straight up cheated the game. And it was intentional. It was it was predetermined. Like and, you're and- going out there malicious like for malicious cheating. Like this shit is like another level of arrogance. And the arrogance was what pisses me. It's still it's like I get raged I get mad talking about it right now, even though I, I try to block it out. But the arrogance to such because they would talk throughout the season. You watch back and see some of the things that they would say in press conferences after people would say something about whistling and things like that. AJ Hinch, especially arrogant, the most arrogant person. Him and Bregman, man, are like two of the most arrogant motherfuckers I've ever seen in my entire life. Bregman, I feel like I want to smack the shit out of them. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Bregman is the one that all my my Yankee fan friends are like, yo, I hate that guy so much. Yeah, he's the. It's it's so the arrogance is what is what gets me so much. Like if you could be contrite and be like, yo. I made a mistake, but throughout it, the entire time, when even people would like hint at it, he'd be like, "Nah, that's a joke." Like, what are you talking about? Like, we would even do something like that. Like, I'm like, "Come on, bro!" Like, when you hear back, like it, it just makes you cringe and it gets you mad. So yeah, it it, it was a it was a point, and and I think it's so telling when you look across the league, you see the the reaction from the players. Mm-hmm. Like that says a lot because they don't say anything. That's a fraternity. They don't talk. They don't talk about each other. They don't do it. When Mike Fires came out and said something, you know, what? I don't. However, anybody feels about whistleblowers in that sense, like the man came out and said something to egregious, egregious, egregious cheating that was affecting the game to the highest level. They won the goddamn World Series, cheating like horribly cheating. Yankees took the Astros to game seven of the ALCS down to the last out and they won. You can't tell me that that wouldn't have been different if they didn't know what pitches were coming. You can't. You can't it, tell me. You cannot tell me that. And then especially when you look at the the home and road splits, like one through nine was batting like close to like 350, 400. And then on the road, it's like, like even you guys, wasn't that, that was a series where I think the Yankees and the Astros won all their games at home. It was, it was exactly it exactly what happened yeah and and the yankees had a big home field advantage that year too because of the home runs that they were hitting and 
just the, they were they were they had a really good uh, home record that year, and so it was a home field advantage. And when you go to a, a playoff game in the Bronx, like it's another level. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That place. We I, we finally got it back to a where, where that place was shaking again because the old stadium used to shake. We got that place rocking last year, and it's it's just it's it's like the greatest atmosphere that I've ever been to is, is a, a playoff game in the Bronx. But but yeah, when you find out that they had cameras in center field and they're like doing whatever they do, and and to say that they were you know maybe the trash can thing went out, but you don't think that they went to another level at yeah. that point? I do. You know they had like the buzzer thing has never been proven, but guess what? They, they, they took steps to next-level cheating. Like, where's the line? Once you're in, like, why not keep going? Yeah, you kind of push it to the edge, and then eventually, like, oh, I could get more. I could get more out of this. I yeah. just thought that the lines were getting worse and worse. Right? Like, you heard five different... Yeah, you were hearing five different variations as to why uh, Altuve didn't want his uh, jersey to be ripped. One was because, you know, he had a tattoo that was going to get done. His wife didn't want him to expose his body. He it was going to be sent to the Hall of Fame, and it was like all these are just getting mixed up, and it's just BS. I think yeah. it was yeah. I think my whole thing was I felt. Are you a soccer fan? Are you knowledgeable about soccer at all? Do you know? I'm not. I mean, you just, two of the areas that I'm not MMA and soccer. That, I got nothing for you. That's fine. But Manchester City. Did you hear what happened with them with the with the punishment from UEFA? I heard about the punishment. Yes, because. There were comparisons to what could be done potentially. Yes. So that's what I think still should happen to the Astros. Yeah. Do combine a few things. Combine what the NCAA did to Reggie Bush and the Heisman. When you go back to the Heisman, you look at 2005. There's no list of a winner there. They stripped them of that. Right. They took the trophy. His name is completely eliminated from the archives of the 2005 season, which is arguably like the greatest highlight tape a college football player has ever had. Right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. So all the fans that lived it are like, yeah, he won a Heisman. But the record books show that it wasn't. So I would strip them of that title. There's no winner. Sorry. You guys aren't going to get it. Right? Because you can't go back and replay I, that. I, I don't want it. You, Dodgers fans were trying to get it. Like, it was stupid. Like, you, who wants it if it's, you didn't win it? You get you get rid of that. There's no banners. And then you give them a three-year postseason ban. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with – like, the, the, to me, the, the, um, the punishment was certainly not – not fitting at all. It was a, it was a, it was a lob to the owners from, um, from the commissioner to the owners saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to give you the opportunity. We're going to suspend him for a year and basically like throwing it up for you to fire him at this point. It was like giving them an opportunity at a PR move, which pissed me off because now they're in an opportunity where they're going to be like, you know what? We can't deal with this in our organization. We're going to, we don't stand for this and we're going to fire him. It started, on the top and roll that it's it's that that whole organization is bad it's 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 rotten to the core man there's so many things with the with the um assistant gm you know making the comments about uh, uh or the the direct comments to uh, the female reporter about domestic abuse like it, they're just some bad dudes in there and it's uh you know that type of culture doesn't start from the bottom mm. that starts from somewhere else so i don't think they were they were uh they were taken to like they should have and yeah, I, I don't know what their fair thing is, but yeah, I think you have to go after some of the players at that point because, to me, like you're making that decision. You're still making that decision every single time you get up there. You're making that decision, and you didn't have to. Every time you didn't have to. I don't care what peer pressure is and all that. You're a grown ass man. You're making the decision. You should get punished. I think hitting them where it hurts 
like postseason success, which is where you become a legend. You become an icon in the postseason, right? Like, but like you, you take it away. Like we all know what happened. We we know Reggie Bush won the damn Heisman, and and nothing affected his on the field play. Like that, there were things that I don't know. Like an asterisk. Like I'm also I'm also come to the point where with like steroids in, in baseball, like let these guys into the Hall of Fame. They should be in the Hall of Fame. But we just let, let's dub that as as such. Like you put something there. Like it's stamped. Like you know what they are. It's they're still when you look at the, the um, what happened on the field like they were the best baseball players in that era they did unbelievable things there are guys in the hall of fame right now that took steroids so where's the line that's that's the problem with where the well, like how do you how do you punish the players where's the line like do you punish Bregman more than you punish uh, Cameron Maben right you know what I mean like where's the line and, and so, that's where the gray area comes in I think which which one which case do you think is worse the steroid user or the guy that knows that uh, uh, all speed pitch is coming like what 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 form of cheating do you think is worse because yo at the end of the day I could be jacked up on steroids I still gotta hit 98 yeah you still gotta yeah there's still hand eye coordination that happens right well and you still gotta hit 98 when you're uh, hit, when a trash can's coming banging at uh, telling you it's coming but you know what's coming right you know 98's coming you're right. a steroid guy you don't know if it's a curveball or a 98 mile, mile an hour fastball or a changeup or whatever the Astros knew what was coming it was egregious in 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 real life, in real time, cheating. To me, it was so premeditated and systematic. It's beyond steroids. Steroids were individual decisions of guys that made poor decisions at that point. And, you know, maybe it was for their livelihood. Maybe it was like to keep up with the Joneses. Whatever their decisions were, however they got to that point, that's a personal thing. This was a systematic team thing that, that was just bucking the trend there were steroid guys all over the league this was one team doing one thing very different so i look at it differently and i think it was worse not to say they're they're either one of them are good right but this one if i'm if i'm you put a gun to my head and i gotta rank them i mean like easy this one's worse yeah i mean both are bad one is worse that's yes so how do you how do you feel about you said that you mentioned the culture you mentioned that everyone in that organization uh is to get some blame for this how do you feel that you guys poached away one of their key contributors in Garrett Cole? Do you think because he had a season last year, which is like an all time kind of season. Right. Yeah. And do you feel like maybe he's benefited from being a national last couple of years? It's possible. It's definitely, you know, I mean, I've definitely tweeted about it. I've definitely said it. I've definitely, it's definitely crossed my mind. You know, people are, are telling me that, uh, you know, he's a pitcher. None of this affects him. Well, there are a lot of Astros players that that have improved their spin rate significantly more than any other team. You look at some of these guys that have come over from actually the Pirates, Charlie Morton, um, Garrett Cole, even Verlander, all increased their spin rate significantly. And when they did that, there was drastic improvements in, in their outcomes. Trevor Bauer has hinted at topical solutions. They've hinted at a lot of things. I think Trevor Bauer knows a lot more than he says. I think that there's potential there. So does it is there a little bit in the back of me that's worried kind of like it's there? I think he's a different guy though. I think like the mentality of him, like watching him on the Astros, like you can tell that he just works differently. He's such a such a uh, just a dog and just like works his ass mm-hmm. off and is so cerebral about pitching too. I think a lot of it um you know is is mostly him. So it's not a huge fear, but yeah, it's in the back of my mind. But I also think when when you go from the Pirates to the Astros, I made this comparison years ago when Verlander 
we always do like uh, who won the trade deadline kind of segments, right? And man, if I remember correctly, I was the only one that was super for Verlander going to the Astros because I also think, Scott, that if you've been on a shitbag team all these years and then you go to a contender, like if I'm a pitcher and I've been on the Marlins for six years and I'm giving you Cy Young caliber seasons, right? And then all of a sudden I get traded to the Yankees. I'm like, yo, hold on. I'm bringing this shit to the Yankees and now I got some run support. I got a team that's not going to be drafting top five. They're going to be in the playoffs. I also think that a guy like Garrett Cole and Verlander in particular back then, like they just got rejuvenated going to a team that they knew they were going to play in October. Thousand percent. I totally agree with you. And I think when you look at his numbers, Verlander, his numbers weren't, weren't, uh, weren't where they were normally, but his, the stuff was there. Like right. there was no, there was no diminishing velocity on fastball. That curveball still looked filthy, twelve to six. Like you saw, you saw what it was. Yeah, I think, I think that absolutely matters when you're on a dog shit team and everybody around you sucks, and like you got to be the guy every single time, and there's nothing happening. I mean, mentally, that just eats you up as a, as a human being. Like it's yes, you're supposed to be a competitor. Yes, you're supposed to be a professional athlete, but there's a human, a human approach to it where like. There's a little bit of that competitive tweak that that you're not getting. You're not getting that that same rush, I think, as you would if you were on a contending team in big moments. So yeah, I think that absolutely matters. I want to end the show with this. Talk a little betting, as everyone knows. I'm kind of a piece of shit, Scott. I like I like to gamble. Hey, you degenerate so, motherfucker. Let's go. There you go. Uh, all right. The Yankees are the favorite to win the World Series. I know you're a Yankee fan. I think that's the right choice, though. <laughs> Like I, yeah, I, ju- I, I just think like you can't you, you just add Garrett Cole to all that. Obviously, health is the biggest concern with everyone, not just the Yankees, yeah. but just in general. But dude, I kind of think like it's it's Yankees are bust. Well, whenever this season comes back, too, we need to point out. So that Vegas line, it didn't did it change? Like how how tight did it get once Severino went down? Because I assume it's between them and the Dodgers. It's it's them and the Dodgers are the clear favorites. I'm using BetOnline.ag, sponsor of the show. Go. Uh, you know what I'm saying, man? I'm a professional sometimes. Yeah, hey, I like it. I like it. It's a good uh, website. So look, the Dodgers and the Yankees are four to one to win the World Series, and then next best is ten to one, and it's the Astros. So yeah. I, I don't know what the what what changed when Severino went down, but man, I just don't. You know, a lot of people bitch and moan about the NBA, how oh, you know, the same teams always win and whatnot. But you look at the 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 sports book odds. Seven of the last ten World Series champions have been top five favorites. You know, last year was an exception with the Nationals who weren't a top five favorite. You can get them as high as like 30 to one at the wild card because they did play at the wild card. But for the most part, it's it seems to be L.A. versus New York, which I think would be dope from a grand scheme national storyline outlook as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, you get two, you know, one former New York team uh, against the, the current New York team, two storied franchises. It's funny you say that because they actually had a moment. And this is this actually pissed me off uh, last year. Not to go off a little bit, but um, when they did the players the weekend, right, and they had the the uniforms, mm-hmm. it was Dodgers Yankees, two iconic franchises, two iconic uniforms, and they did like the all black. Like it was it was like that weekend where they did it and not taking advantage of the opportunity to play Dodgers Yankees with like you know the the the, the uniforms. Like yeah. it, to me, it was just such a crazy crazy mistake but um yeah no i like that I, I used to go down to vero beach when i was a kid all the time too so i actually have like national league not that i'm a fan but i'll always like looks look look to see what the dodgers are doing because when i was a kid the dodgers used to train in vero beach florida so i would always go there for you know either cactus league or uh, not cactus league uh, the gold the 
the hell is it called? Grapefruit League um, or uh, spring training and all that that other the single A ball uh, down with the Dodger stuff. So there was a, a little bit of a, a thing there for me personally. But yeah, that would be fun. Two good two good teams. You think them two are the? If I was to give you a thousand dollars and you had to bet on on a few teams, do you think that you would just go with these two? Do you see anyone else that might be like uh, a team you should keep your eye on this year? Uh, as far as like a, a full contender, I mean, I'll tell you one team that scares me a little bit, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but they do. They have talent, and they are one of those teams that could come out of absolutely not that they would come out of nowhere, but on a national level, they would. Is Tampa Tampa Bay? Mm. The Tampa Rays, man, have a good team, and when you look at the pitching, the top three guys that they have w- with um, uh, uh, Charlie Morton, uh, my brain's not working right now, but the two other dudes that, that came over from or the the Cy Young uh, a couple years ago and the kid from they they got in the trade for Chris Archer, they're the, probably top three guys. You know that top three is probably like arguably the best in baseball. It's right there. It's very close. Like these guys are are phenomenal pitchers. Wasn't and it? Uh, you, uh, uh, no, not Shell. Snell. Snell was. Yeah, a, yeah. Blake Snell. Thank Snell, you. Yeah. Uh, Blake Snell. And, and so when you when you see what they what they have coming out, and if they can stay healthy, and the the fact that they have um, Kevin Cash, who I think is a phenomenal manager, he makes the best out of what he's got. And they do have some very good position players. Oh, and by the way, they have the number one uh, farm system in baseball uh, with the number one prospect in baseball. Granted, he's probably not going to come up this year, but he's clo- He's getting closer. Um, they're just a scary franchise. They, they make a. They put a lot of bat to ball, and I think when we're seeing what a shortened season looks like, you're going to see these swing and miss guys, the ones that hit launcher home runs and strike out or bust. I feel like you're going to see slower starts. And if you have a team like Tampa who can make contact, run the bases, play defense, pitch well, that that could that could lead to a, a, a strong start. And who knows, when a shortened season, like now you're pressing from a very earlier time, uh, they're a good team. They're a good team top to bottom. So that's, that's one team that could come out of nowhere. I was looking at the odds for the Mets right now. They're 33 to one. They were, they were 20, they were 20 to one with the twins and the nationals. And then Syndergaard went down. So, of course, the Mets can't even get out of spring training without no uh, season-ending injury. Tyler Glass knows the other pitcher I was thinking of, by the way. I couldn't think of him. Dude, the Mets can't get out of their own damn way. I know. I mean, they literally hired a manager, hired into the biggest scandal of our lifetime in baseball. They hired into it. They weren't. They had nothing to do with it. And they're like, yo, Beltron, come on. Like, let's go. And now we're in the middle of this. And now he's. they had to let him go. It's just, and now the fact that, uh, you know, they're not going to get purchased. Yeah, that's the other like, thing. A guy came and he was great for you guys. You're like, yeah, like all these things are happening. And right. then, like, dominoes just kept falling. It was bad. I feel bad. <sighs> yep. Story so, of my I'm life, sorry. Man. I am. Because I feel it as a Jets fan. I understand. I get it. I never, I don't have any animosity towards Mets or Mets fans. It's just, you know, there's always the other side. Like, Mets fans, I always feel like they hate Yankee fans. They always do. And, and I understand this because the Yankees win and it's a it's a a pure listen i don't i don't hate the yankees there are a couple of yankee fans that i dislike like some of my buddies but shit i bet the yankees last year they were plus 850 at the FanDuel sportsbook when i was out there like i bet you're doing that with your mind not your heart you're doing that with your money right yeah i was trying to make you know a financial investment but i don't bet on the jets one way or the other just because i i I just i can't put money on them one way or another because they'll probably win and piss me off you know (laughs) Yo, Scott, you're the man. I appreciate your time, bro. Uh, thank you. We went over an hour just shooting the shit as we like to do. The floor is yours, my guy. Plug away. Tell people where they can find you. 
any episodes coming up sometime next week that you're you're, you're excited for tell us yeah so uh bronx pinstripes is the uh the name of our site and our show is the bronx pinstripe show so if you're a yankees fan come on over andrew and i just uh again man just two guys talking about yankees baseball we're trying to figure out things to talk about at this point uh andrew's been putting out some awesome narrative pieces some historical stuff like just based on uh how steinbrenner purchased the team how we went from buckshaw walter to joe torrey uh so those are coming out on friday and pretty evergreen so you can actually listen to those they're they're fun to listen to he's done a really good job on them um and then yeah man just check out you know uh the, the rest of the blue wire community we we uh we got some we got some killers on the on the, on the mics i think some really really good talent and uh i'm happy to be a part of it uh definitely be a you know be in the same community as you that's how we met so happy to be here man before we sign off let's give a quick shout out to the members of the franchise tag and the supermax ryan pisner Corey johnson hoops Derek pleates daniel gibson christopher velasquez and nick chavez as far as i go it's at the lamb show on all social media outlets and at veterans minimum is where you can find all things for the podcast i just like the sound